Screenless. Hello and welcome to another Creative Cuppa. I hope you're well. What have you been up to lately? Feel free to get in touch or start a conversation on the socials using at ScreenlessPod. Come and join the Creative Cuppa Facebook group and have a natter if you like. So, last Wednesday was a special day as Creative Cuppa turned one. Ta-da! I've been looking back over all the different creative jobs that have featured on the show over the last year, from educating to screenwriting, photography, interior design, stand-up, acting, composing, illustrating, animating, novel writing, panto daming. Uh, hang on. Yes, this week I chat to a professional panto dame. Pause. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> what struck me about my chat with Michael Batchelor was that there's so much wasted energy in the world dedicated to negative things. Michael and people who work in that environment are all about bringing positive energy, collective fun experiences, and I, for one, applaud that. So if you have your cuppa ready, here we go. Michael Batchelor, Panto Dame. Welcome to Creative Cuppa. Hello, hello, Gareth. How are you? All good? I'm very well. Uh, it's so nice to to have you on. I, in fact, I've, I don't think I've ever had a conversation with a Panto Dame before. Oh, well, you so, may never again uh, after this experience. Well, I'm, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but I do love that about this podcast, that I just have these lovely chats with people from all walks of life yeah. and all corners of the creative industries. It's uh, It's really lovely. But speaking of your corner of the creative industries, yeah. you've got over 20 years experience of performing in shows yes. uh, and you've described Panto as the love of your life. Was it love at first sight or is it something that grew over time? Um, yes, I mean, I'm from, I'm from um, Canterbury in Kent originally and obviously as a child I used to be taken to the Marlowe Theatre to see the Panto um, and even then the dame was just... I, it, no, I was in awe every time that they came on the stage. It was I don't know what it was. I think it was the fact that they were so big, so colourful. They had so many good jokes, you know, everybody was laughing at them and all that sort of thing. Um, and around that, that time, I'd done sort of a few, just like a primary school, you know, like the nativity and different things like that. And even then, people were laughing at me, you know, in the shows when I was doing silly stuff. And I thought, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just a natural thing, really. The two sort of collated. So, yeah. So that's how it all started then? Yes. You just seeing this on stage? Yeah, basically. Well, how it really started is a friend of mine wanted to do an amateur pantomime um, for charity. Right. So I was only 16 at the time. And he said to me, would you like to play uh, Widow Twanky and Aladdin? And I was like, yes, I want to do it. So obviously I did. And then his mum, he said to me, his mum was making my costume as in singular. And I'm like, I've been to the theatre and see the panto. They change every time they come on. I'm not doing it unless. So he said, well, she can't do it all. And I went, well, I'll sew something. And he went, well, you can't sew. And I went, watch me. So I just made all these costumes, had a change on every entrance and did the show. And that's like, I'm hooked. I, this, is, this is it now. I want to do this. So I did it every year amateur until I was 20 um, and then I went off and then I did my first professional 
uh, one around about then. And then this Christmas will be my 21st year in Panto. So Wow. Wow. So was it always that plan A? You know, you, you were 16, you, you did it, you fell in love with it straight away. Did you think, right, this is me? Or did you think, I really love doing this, I don't know if I can make a career out of it. But what, what was your thought back then? Obviously, I, want, I knew that it only really happens at Christmas. So it was just a big part of something I wanted to do. And right. yeah, so when I was younger, I'd, I wanted to, to be an actor. That's what I wanted to do. Um, and then when I left school, I had friends who'd been to drama school and stuff and, and it was so expensive and some people had struggled. And some people hadn't even got their qualification because they ran out of money, you know, and, and all that. So that was back, back there. So I actually went into training in hairdressing. Um, so that was something I did because, you know, when they, they always say, don't they, um, you should have a trade, make sure you've got a trade, you know. <laughs> Yeah. So that's what I did. So I worked in hairdressing until I was 20. And then because of the whole drama school and issues with, you know, like people, and obviously it's so it was so expensive, it's trying to be able to afford mm. it. I then went to Butlins as a red coat. So my career, instead of being more acting, became more entertainment based. So I did a lot more sort of cabaret style things and more family entertainment and all that sort yeah. of thing. And then obviously the panto at Christmas. So that's what I've always done. I've been more involved in the year with like that side of entertainment uh, and cabaret stuff and things like that. So the acting sort of went on the back burner. So the only time I'm in yeah. a theatre really is at Christmas. But yeah. I'm very lucky that I've always managed to work when I wanted to, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's a, a controversial thing nowadays, but I don't think I would go to university now if I was that age, it's so expensive. You mentioned cost. Yeah. I mean, it, it is so expensive to do now, isn't it? And the thing is, is that sadly, um, and it's, this isn't right, but there are so many people going to drama school uh, and coming out of drama school and even more prevalent now with obviously what we've had with the pandemic, you've got so many brilliant, talented people coming out of drama school and they have no work. There is not enough jobs for them. Because, you know, because there's so many people and then you spent all that money on the training. And also, unfortunately, with the um, trend now of reality television, you know, like and all those mm. sorts of things, there's people going on television, becoming huge stars within minutes without one qualification in performance or anything like that. Yeah. So it must be yeah. so soul destroying for, for younger people that are coming into the business and also going down that line because obviously as you can hear from my voice you know I'm quite I sound unique I'm not a thin person I've always been a big man so I was never going to be what a lot of those kids that come out of drama school are I was never going to be the dancer you know that the lead male all that sort of thing I was always I knew my place I knew that I was going to end up being the big fat funny character you know I'm always going to be a big character in things and I was, I never had the look to do a lot of what people had, you know, like what the other people do. So I wanted to do cruises and things, but I'd never have got that job because I didn't look right. You know, I wasn't thin and gorgeous and, you know what I mean? So it's, I think I'm, I'm quite, I'm, I'm in a pigeonhole doing what I do with Panto, but I'm actually very lucky to be in that pigeonhole because that pigeonhole guarantees me very well paid work every Christmas. Regardless of yeah. how bad the year has been, I always get a great Christmas period, you know, so I'm very lucky in that way. Yeah. 
Society's perceptions, eh? Well, yes. You know, that's the thing, you know. And I know that there's a lot in the news now about, you know, things on the internet, you know, like people trolling and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And without going too deep, but I think when I was at school, because I was because I was a bit camp and I was overweight, I was always the target for a lot of people to pick on me and to say things and felt like it was okay to, you know. So I took what I've got, turned it on its head and threw it back at them, which is how I coped. And weirdly, that's turned into what I do in my pantos. You know what I mean? It's being, it's basically saying, look, I'm ridiculous. I'm over the top. I'm wearing this huge costume. I'm not little, but I don't care. And neither you in the audience either. We should just all enjoy who we are and what we've got and have a good laugh about it, you know? That's such good advice for life, really, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, um, Dame Dolly Saves Panto. Yes. The Horth Crawley, December 2020. What was it like to put on a panto in the middle of a pandemic? And, And how did it happen? I mean, it was just incredible because there were literally so many venues that had put pantos together and just couldn't do it. So obviously being in Sussex, we were so lucky at that point that we were in tier two, so we could still do it. Um, right. you know, which was incredible. Um, but yes, I, I'm, I've been the resident dame at the Hawth Theatre for about seven years. Um, so I go back every year, which again is fantastic because as a dame, you sort of strive to have a residency somewhere and build that rapport with your audience and, and all that sort of thing. And it's got an amazing lineup. I mean, visiting companies for the Hawth. Yes, yep. Yes, I mean, coming up this year, they've got Chicago, Waitress, you know, they've got some big some big shows, you know. But yes, it was the company that I normally work for, the producer Revolution, they put the pantomime on there and they spoke to some of their venues and some of the venues said, we we would like to do something. But obviously with the restrictions, it meant that the show could only be one act. So you can't have people coming in and out because obviously it's it's hard enough because it was done in a system where you were given a time and a door to go to, you were put in your seat, you stayed there, you know, so that it was all safe. And obviously we had all those protocols in place backstage, you know, we all had a room each, so we had to stand at distance and we had to stand at distance on the stage. Um, I mean, obviously Mm. with it being a pantomime, we could reference those things, you know, we could sort of make light of the fact that, you know, we couldn't go eating anywhere near each other to hug or anything, you know what I mean? Because we'd all have to like air hug and things like that, um, <laughs> you know, and make sure you've washed your hands and things like that. But um, yeah, and it was very interesting. We had a cast of five. So obviously we didn't have all the juvenile, babe, you know, the juvenile dancers. We didn't have an ensemble of dancers. We just had me, a, a comic, principal girl, fairy, baddie. So there was five of us. Um, but obviously that meant a lot. It's like a bad joke, isn't it? Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or walk into a bar. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, but that, so there was five of us. So yes, the main difference was, because obviously I change on every entrance and I make all my costumes. I, you know, I have done for a very long time. Oh, so you kept that up? Yeah, yeah, I still do it now because I'm, I'm so fussy, you know, and it, it's all part of yeah. what I do is what I look like. You know, I have to... So obviously I was still doing all these mad changes. So still seven costume changes in an hour show. And also because we had no ensemble, all of a sudden I was doing everything. So I was dancing a lot more and I was, you know, singing a lot more. All those things, you know, like normally 
um, you know, the principal girl and principal boy are doing their lovely love duet whilst I'm backstage going madly <laughs> trying to get changed for my next entrance. Well, once you take those elements out, all of a sudden it's it's a you know it was an act it was mental you know the minute the show started you got oh god here we go and it just was whoosh you know on off just a race changing. against time yes and it was tiring and also three times in a day wow because we had Mine. to because we couldn't physically get everybody in so even doing it three times in a day that was still only a tiny fraction of how many people we'd normally get in to watch the show. You know, so we had to do yeah. quite a lot, but it was a lot of fun. It was very much appreciated. You know, they, they, the audiences after the shows, they were stamping their feet and clapping and we all got a bit teary because oh, it was like, yeah. we were amazed because we were there doing it. And it was like, everybody was just so desperate to, to enjoy themselves. They were so desperate to go and do something they normally do, go to the panto with their family, have a good laugh, you know, and obviously yeah. being a regular there, it, I've had a lot of people, like people that come, they say it's a bit like going to see their mad auntie at Christmas. <laughs> and they're so used to me, you know, I come out and they all cheer and it's just such a lovely feeling. So it's all, you know, there's so much warmth, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was it was such a wonderful experience. We were so lucky to do it. Sadly, only for a week and then we had to yeah. close, but we did it. So that's the main thing. I think you hit the nail on the head there. People have really missed doing that, haven't they, yes. over the last year? Uh, it makes me wonder what, you know, how theatres will open up again. Well, yeah. Is it going to be with that kind of distancing or is it is it just going to be wait until we're legally clear to do these things and just I mean, it's get just people in? It just depends on what it is. I mean, because obviously with us, because the, the, the theatre has a lot of, you know, they're heavily involved with the panto, whereas obviously a lot of the other shows mm. that come in, they come in as they are, they do it and they go, whereas... You know, there's a lot more involvement. So I think really that's why Panto was the only thing that they could do at distance or a version of and still make some money out of it. Whereas obviously there's absolutely no way, you know, like um, Evolution itself, the company, they obviously have all the sets and all the costumes for everybody else all in store. So actually the show didn't cost any money on that side of things. You know what I mean? So it was just right. trying to keep the yeah. costs down um, and stuff, but as you you know, when you've got bigger shows, you've got so many. You know, you can't just turn around in the middle of Chicago and say, you know, well, we don't want Thelma. You know, we'll, we'll cut her out <laughs> yeah. because you can't yeah. do that with a panto. You're, it's written for the venue, and you can do whatever. But you can't all of a sudden decide to, you know, take a character out of a big musical, and also you need all of that cast and crew, you know, and if the audience aren't in there, they just make a loss, you know, it's just it's yeah. how it is, isn't it? So so you're optimistic about Christmas 2021? Yes, I mean, I we, we shall see. I mean, the thing is, is that I think with anybody with the pandemic, it's just a case of, of just try, taking things day at a time, you know. I think... Yeah there's been a lot of people who've struggled with their mental health and stuff, especially in the entertainment and the theatre business, because it's just this constant, what if, what if, you know, and having to, you know, like with what we did at Christmas, having to think of every possible scenario of what could cause problems or be a problem. 
and you could drive yourself mad. You know, you've got to think of every possible thing that could close it down, you know, so it's it's very stressful for people. Yeah, absolutely. So, Michael, where can, if people want to come and see some of your costumes and things, uh, where can people come and find you online? Um, online, I'm on uh, Instagram, I'm on um I'm on Twitter as well, obviously Facebook, but that's more personal. But also um, there are things online, you know, Michael J. Bachelor. If you put that into the search on the internet, there's a lot of videos of me doing shows on, you know, on YouTube and stuff. So, um, but yeah, or if you're in Sussex, come and see the Panto at the Hall Theatre in Crawley. Um, it's, you know, it's a great show, great following and, you know, really funny really funny scripts you know genuinely funny <laughs> laugh out loud scripts so you know yeah come along fantastic oh well i, I want to come along <laughs> <laughs> i will put those links in the show notes for you as okay well, so people can just click through uh but for now michael bachelor panto dame thanks so much for joining me for a cuppa yes yeah, been lovely to chat thank you very much Thanks again to Michael for sharing his stories. There's a point in there when he talks about being at school and being targeted and turning it on its head and throwing it back. And I think there's a lesson in bravery there for all of us. No matter how desperate things might seem, there's always a way forward, isn't there? Basically, be more like Michael, I say. Do go and check out the Horth website. And if you're in the southeast of England, book yourself some tickets. The theatre industry deserves our support, doesn't it? This podcast was produced by me at the Sound Boutique and is a Screenless production. You can get updates by searching for at Screenless Pod on the social media. So if you have any thoughts about this or any other episode, get in touch. I don't bite unless it's a biscuit. That's all for now. So until next time, thanks for joining me for a cuppa. Mm-hmm.